Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you? I- I'm doing fantastic. Um, it's been another interesting week, and I think um, by all accounts, we're about three months in to the... Uh, coronavirus epidemic so i remember that it's uh, we're taping this on saturday june 13th and i recall that on friday march 13th we were actually in a modell's <laughs> and got the email that uh the kids schools were going to be closed the following monday so officially three months in yep and coincidentally that's the topic of discussion today coronavirus lessons learned three months inside so Um, But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Okay, the first news story is from MarketWatch.com, and it's from NerdWallet. Uh, Should you be fair, in quotes, with the inheritance you leave to your kids? Leaving more to heirs with greater need can cause resentment, but so can equal distributions of your estate. Um, So, Jody, I read this article. I'll just say it, it it hit close to home. Um, I think from a family perspective, from a other friends that I have, from other situations that I've seen, kind of just keeping it at a high level, I've seen inheritances really cause bad blood among families. And that's not the purpose of an inheritance, right? The inheritance is supposed to be a positive thing, and it's become negative. When I read this article... A lot of things that I'm seeing in here are very interesting where, you know, the concept of defining what is fair, right? And then also getting kids input as to what they think and kind of some lessons learned and some advice around, you know, if you have a piece of real estate, maybe the kids shouldn't be sharing real estate. It's a lot easier to share a pile of money than than real estate. And it also talks about, you know, leaving a detailed letter to your inheritees as to why you made these certain decisions and such. But Jody, what was your take on this article? Uh, This is a fantastic article, and it is a conversation that everybody needs to have, um, you know, sitting around the dining room table before there is the crisis of someone actually passing away. Um, You know, I'm a no surprises guy, and um, the estate that you leave behind for your family and whether we're talking about, you know, parents who are dying in their 80s or 90s or 100, you know, when you quote unquote expect people to die or you die suddenly, you know, in your 30s or your 40s or whatever, um, you need to have your act together. If you have any kind of property, real estate, any kind of assets, um, you know, more, more than a couple thousand dollars in a bank account, you need to have a will. We've talked about that, Paul. And you need to have detailed directions, instructions for what to do with those assets um, when you pass away. What this article gets into, and I think it's great, is not only doing that, but having the discussion before that event where you're gone. Um, Everybody, and I I believe in this, I cannot tell you how much I believe in this. You need to sit down and have a discussion around the dining room table with the family. Here's the assets here's what we think everyone's getting. And this article asks, uh, poses a really great question here. Ask people what they'd like to get, quote unquote, 
from the estate or, or uh, among the assets. And the example they use here is that you know you've got a, a, a husband and wife, they got three grown children, um, and they're just going to sell everything and cut cut everything up three ways. Um, and the ones and they ask the one son, and the one says, well, one son says, well, I really like that watch collection. They wouldn't have known that if they hadn't asked the question. So you got to ask these questions. I think this is a really, really important discussion to have um, when you also consider the fact, and Paul, we've said this before, everyone's eventually going to die. So you're going to have to you're going to have to cross this bridge eventually. Um, cross it in an intelligent way. I, this is we could go on and on and on about this, Paul. I'm sure I, I could. I know you can, too. This is a great article. Yeah, I think I smell another podcast here. It, it, you know, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, and like I said, I can't control circumstances or or people outside of my immediate household. I could tell you that the rule in my household is we have a will. It's a 50-50 split between my two kids. Um, it's a standard, if I die, my wife gets my stuff. If she dies, I get her stuff type will, right? And then if both of us go, the kids get everything, goes into trust, yada, 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 right? I, I've thought through all the different uh, scenarios. And if you look back in our episodes, we do talk about wills and estate planning. We do a whole podcast just on that. But this topic in particular, and there's an article, a famous article out there called Who Gets Grandma's Yellow Pie Tin or Pie Plate? And it's a whole document and a whole multi-page document around this whole topic. So maybe it's something that we should touch upon. But I've had, you know, my son and daughter are very young. But, you know, the key messaging that is in the paperwork and which I would tell my kids when they're a little bit older is, you know, don't fight over anything. Split everything down the middle. And, you know, I'm hoping that, to your point, Jody, maybe there is something that my daughter might want my, my wife's wedding ring, right? But if the wedding ring is worth X, then my my son should get compensated for that X, right? Um, and I also feel strongly that if one kid, if I have to spend an inordinate amount of money on one kid's college education versus the other kid's college education, I think that should sort of be equaled out as well, right? So I think there's things that when I do my planning, and this is going down the road, right, uh, hopefully many years out, not just a few years out, but many years out, um, as we get through the life events of my son and daughter, um, I'll be able to make those adjustments accordingly and adjust the paperwork accordingly. So that that's where I think we'll leave that story, unless you have a last word on that story, Jody. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we should we should do this as a podcast, standalone podcast. There's so much to talk about here, uh, and I think it's a really important uh, topic, really important discussion that families need to have because this is the type of thing that can rip families apart. Um, Which I've and, seen. And so, you, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's one thing that everybody knows how to argue over it's money yep. and stuff. So, and it's the dumbest thing to argue over. So, yeah, let's do this as a podcast yeah. in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, great. The second story is from Kiplinger. Uh, Money Smart Kids section, Lessons for Kids from the Crisis. One of the greatest opportunities presented by the pandemic is to give children an appreciation for the workings of the economy. Man, Jody, I read through this and, you know, it's a short, shorter, you know, it's a short article, but, but very interesting, right? Making it fun in terms of showing how the economy works and explaining to the kids on how this is all coming together. Jody, what was your take on this article? 
Yeah, this was a, a quickie kind of an article. Um, but the thing that came through here for me was making sure that we are explaining to the kids whatever your personal circumstance is, making sure that they understand your personal circumstance as well. Um, so if you've lost your job or if you've or you've been challenged in this last three months of coronavirus and its impact on the economy, if you've had some roadblocks thrown in your way, don't suffer in silence. Don't try to, you know, keep that stiff upper lip to make sure, you know, to make the kids think everything's okay. If things aren't okay, explain to the kids how they're not okay. Um, explain to the kids why they're not okay. Make it digestible for them so they can understand it and appreciate it. Um, we have, you know, for better or for worse, since the kids were old enough to talk, we've had very frank discussions with them on their level to make sure that they've understood things that they're going to run into in life uh, or things that are impacting our family. Um, and so I really think that that's what this article is about, is just making sure that the kids understand what's happening right now, because they're going through it, too. Just because they're kids doesn't mean that they're oblivious. I guess that's the other thing, too. Um, you know, and they're feeling it firsthand. They can't get together with their friends. Um, we've talked about this with our kids, you know, flat out. That sucks for kids, especially now when it's summertime. Um, you know, yeah, you can do a little bit of bike riding around and there have been one or two visits to backyard pools with with, you know, very strict social distancing guidelines and things going on. And, and you know, we're kind of only doing that with with families that we know we're on the same page with. Um, this sucks for them <laughs> in a major way. Um, so make sure that they understand it. Make sure that they're not stressing out about this. Um, really, really get with them and explain it to them on, on a level that they will understand. And every, every family's different. Yeah, I agree. I, I think with everything you said, it was all well put. Uh, for my kids, they've been, especially my 16-year-old, I think he has a better understanding of things going on. He sees financially, you know, and I've had these conversations with him that, um, he, he, I have two different, very different kids, right? One that spends everything they get and one that saves everything they get, right? So my older one is the one who generally saves and he'll, he'll buy a game for 12 bucks and then return it if he didn't, you know, if he doesn't like it and then get another game for $10, right? And I said, well, you can have both. Uh, so I'm, he's more the voice of reason than me sometimes, right? And he's like, well, Dad, you know, the game was all right, but, you know, I don't know if it was worth me spending $12 on it. And I, I love that about him, right? Um, so, you know, so teaching these, the, using this time as teachable moments, right, to have those conversations is important. And I think it's, and it's great to give him those financial lessons. So I think with that, we'll wrap up the stories and we'll jump into today's topic, right? And it's three months inside uh, into the coronavirus. You know, what has changed, what hasn't changed, and, and what lessons have we learned? And just kind of dive in, right? So my current situation, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, Jody, um, you know, here and there. But in short, when this whole thing started, and I'm three months in, I bought a lot of stuff online. Lots of stuff, um, some stuff I need, some stuff, quite frankly, I didn't need. <laughs> we did a lot of hoarding, especially up front of food. I was buying, was strategically buying and ordering stuff online and probably paying premiums for stuff. I know a couple of things that I bought off of eBay, I, I paid more for than I could have if I had just waited for it to come in stock at an Amazon or a Walmart or a Costco um, because people are out there buying up everything in sight and then using arbitrage to make money off of 
the stuff they buy, right? And we saw that firsthand. I don't know if you took a look at that stuff. Like you know, toilet paper at one point was going for like you know five dollars a roll on eBay and 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 Amazon. And both companies had to step up and step in to 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 squash that arbitrage, right? They're just asking way too much for that stuff, and it still exists out there, but. Um, I was guilty of buying a few of those things. I actually bought hair clippers <laughs> for the family. We did my son's hair. I've been lukewarm to doing it myself, uh, but I uh, so I'm I'm still on the fence on that. Um, I bought an exercise bike, uh, which was great—a really expensive exercise bike, which we've talked about. But quite frankly, um, I think I like the gym more. I don't think I'm using the bike as as much as I would have thought I would use it. And I think I really like being at the gym with others around me that are in the same mode as me. Um, so, but um, but I'm, I'm kinda, I still use it, but it's not as much as I had thought I would use it. And then also, you know, outfitting the backyard to be more family friendly, because I knew that we were gonna spend more time there. And kind of, I upgraded my Wi-Fi as well, which I think was a big plus, small investment with big returns, uh, replacing the router and upgrading the bandwidth. And I think I've, we posted on the Facebook page my friend's article, Marco Chiapetta, on how to maximize your your settings on your router to get the most throughput. So if you look at the Facebook page, you'll you'll find some details around that. Jody, what was your what's your situation? I know I said a lot, kind of. I felt like I didn't even take a breath, but the short answer was, I bought, I got into the into the fray of hoarding and having to buy, 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 not overspending outside of my budget, but probably buying stuff I wouldn't have normally bought like um, you know a new hammock for the backyard right away and I bought the fire pit which by the way both have turned out to be excellent investments so we've had a lot of good nights around the fire pit propane fire pit outside the new hammock is wonderful um, but Jody what was your take what's your current situation when it comes to um, the coronavirus three months in well I, I number one I got to revisit that Wi-Fi article because I need to do that too we are banging on our wireless router <laughs> like you could not believe uh, and you know we've we've lifted the restrictions or at least the, the um, as much of the restrictions as we have on on the time spent on screens you know especially on on games where the kids can put on a headset and talk to their friends um, we just feel like if that's the most exposure they're going to get to their friends, then they we need to we need to let that happen a little bit longer than we might otherwise do that. Um, uh, Paul, you mentioned the investments, things like buying a hammock and a fire pit for the backyard. I think I know for, probably for you, definitely for me, couldn't have done that if you didn't didn't have a written budget, um, and and if you didn't know that all your other expenses were taken care of, you probably would have been a little worried about, you know, putting out the money for the fire pit or the hammock or the, or even the, the, the new router, whatever, whatever you're going to, you're going to buy. Um, you know, our current situation, not that much different from yours, Paul. Um, when we started, I was ready to go full bunker. I think if you rewind back to the, the first podcast that we did when coronavirus was just starting to come up over the horizon in the United States, um, I was I was all in on Armageddon. I was ready to start stockpiling supplies. I took cash out of the bank. I gassed up the cars. I mean, I was I was I was all all in on this. Um, and three months later, 
you know, you look back and we never needed that giant stockpile. Um, we have developed a habit of buying just a little extra to have on hand, you know, that extra box of, of you know, dry pasta or that extra thing of meat that you throw in the freezer and it's there for a little while. Um, kind of developing a buffer, not unlike you might develop a little bit of a buffer in your checking account to make sure you never bang down too close to zero. Um, but it, it also made us realize that what we need and what we don't need. And at the beginning of coronavirus, we thought we needed this stockpile. We realized we really don't need it. Maybe having a little extra on hand makes us not have to worry about suddenly running out of something, but we don't need you know, five weeks of stuff. Um, like you, Paul, we did make a lot of purchases for the kids. Um, we, we did get them new bikes because they were outgrowing the bikes, so we just kind of advanced the birthday presents a little a little sooner and we got them new bikes and they love them. Um, we did and we're, we're thankful and grateful as you say, Paul, that we could do this. Um, but we did invest in um, uh, phones for them so they could keep in touch with their friends. We bought them a little earlier than we thought we were gonna buy for them. So they can text and they can talk and stuff like that. And again, that's in the, in the mindset of making sure that they can continue to communicate with their friends. They're not, they're not cut off completely socially from their friends. This is like we said at the top of the podcast, that this is a really hard time for kids. And we don't even really know the full depth of what they're going through right now. You know, we can hear it from them a little bit, but if, if you have children like my 11 year old, uh, you get one word answers to questions. Mm. <laughs> so how was, how was your day? Good. You know, that's every kid. So, so we really don't know what's going on with them. So, so uh, the, the more we can try to normalize their experience or give them, give them avenues to keep in touch with their friends, we feel like the better. And we're lucky that we can do that. We're grateful that we can do that. Um, we also have learned how much we still have to work at providing them with experiences. Uh, they would sit and play Fortnite for seven hours a day if they, if they could, yeah. you know, and talk with their friends on the headset. Um, and so we're still in that whole, okay, turn off the screens, it's dinner time. Okay, turn off the screens. We're gonna do a family bike ride, or you know, you wake up in the morning and it's okay. We're gonna, you know, you make muffins or something, or my wife makes muffins, and then it's okay. We're gonna put the car, bikes on the back of the car and we're gonna go to the park and we're gonna ride for an hour. Oh, do we have to? You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, so going forward, I think we're we've we've started to, and we need to continue to develop new habits around things like family time and dinner time and daily health habits, getting outside and exercising. You know, these kids that, you know, whether you like it or don't like it, you know, gym is a good thing at school, makes them get up, makes them run. Um, you know, some kids don't want to do that if they're not forced to do that. And so we've had to create habits around that as well. And things like reading every day, uh, you know, and doing fun things like whether it's Legos or playing music, you know, f you know, kind of getting them into that space. You never realize how much of your day is taken up in routine until that routine is not there anymore. And so I think that's the one thing that we've learned going forward is creating new and reliable routines for our family and for our kids um, that can be applied whether school is there or not. Yeah, I think all well said. So I, I think we'll jump into the discussion topics. And the first one is kind of the hoarding of food. And I guess the big question I have for you, Jody, is do you have a need for any uh, shelf-stable macadamia nut milk and <laughs> chickpea pasta? Because during the throes of the pandemic, I am guilty as charged of buying stuff that I probably am not going to eat um, just because I needed it, right? Pasta was thin and every, you know, it was pasta, it was toilet paper, 
Um, it was all these things. And, you know, uh, now I think of the last several shopping trips, um, all those things are there. Um, now, there's always this fear of the unknown. And you put it, you know, I think we did all these things and we're guilty of all this because of the fear of the unknown. And it's still unknown today. There, the government is still unpacking, you know, what's how this thing gets transferred. And, and, you know, it used to be, well, you can't touch boxes on your front porch for 24 hours. And now the CDC and, and the WHO are saying, well, not really, right? So they're still learning, which there's no knock on any of this stuff right the whole world was caught you know with the unknown right it's the fear of the unknown right so i get it so for me uh hoarding of food was a big thing and to your point uh earlier jody i've slowed that down and trying to not stockpile what's your take when it comes to, to hoarding food yeah i just i think we all thought we were gonna have to um, and like, the evidence was there too. I mean, I remember going on Amazon cause we buy our groceries on Amazon. Um, and I remember seeing five days to a week delivery time that used to be 24 hours. So I was like, uh Oh, we got a supply chain problem. Um, while that supply chain problem may have, um, stayed at those, you know, few days. And I think it was a couple of months that it stayed at those few days. It never broke down. Um, and so I think if as long as you're planning well and you're not living, you know, life by the seat of your pants, which I don't think we can do as parents, um, you don't need to hoard food. You have a little little extra in the basement or a little extra in the freezer. Yeah, that's fine. But you don't need you don't need to go out and buy an industrial freezer. You don't need to go out and and, uh, you know, uh, buy eight gallons of uh, of mayonnaise or whatever it is to have on on whole uh, on hand. Um, just a little extra, probably, you know, if it helps you sleep at night, great. And if you don't need it, that's probably okay too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? So I have in our basement uh, some big shelving units where we keep this stuff. And um, I think most of it will be used up over time. But I agree with you, you know, at this point, um, you know, trying to keep the extras to a minimum and try to work through the stockpile that we have and try to get to a more normal uh, buying habit in terms of buying this stuff. I think uh, it's a lot of it is psychological because if you've gone out grocery shopping and, and I'll admit that my wife takes care of the grocery shopping. So I'm not out there as much as she is. The few times that I have gone out to buy a couple of things that were needed, um, it is eerie walking into a supermarket and seeing rows of shelves that are half to almost completely empty. And that can be unnerving. It has more of a psychological value than it does, I think, a real value or impact. Um, and that probably makes you get into that frame of mind of, uh oh, there's not any more. I got to go grab the last one. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I am the primary shopper in the house, right? So we did a whole podcast episode on grocery shopping, which I still have friends that will ping me and say, you remember when you did that? financial episode on grocery shopping like i don't think that's ever been done before most popular episode yeah it was a great episode because um i've been doing it for years so i talk about you know scanning the end caps what's an end cap it's the stuff at the end of the aisle that is supposed to grab your attention that's on sale like all these things that um i, I could probably do another hour on grocery shopping but you're right it, it is really eerie and i've been doing it lately but uh once again you know Three months ago, I was trying to go food shopping every three weeks. Now I'm back to a weekly cadence. I bring my gloves. I bring my my mask. I go into the store. I'm careful. 
And and so I'm not sure what scientifically changed between now and three weeks ago or three months ago, but I am feeling a bit more comfortable with these. And maybe it's just the fear of the unknown. It's a less unknown right now. Maybe that's where I'm going with it. Um, I'm going to switch topics. We're going to jump to banks have not closed. So you talked about having some level of cash on hand. Uh, I do the same, Jody. Um, at this point, you know, uh, probably don't need as much on hand uh, anymore. What was your take when it came to, you know, comes to keeping cash on hand and, and, and being ready for whatever takes place? Uh, yeah. Armageddon, as you as you said earlier in the podcast. Yeah, I had this this vision of, you know, not only the the bank branches closing, but the ATMs running out of money and, you know, just everything shutting down. And so I felt I needed to just have a little cash on hand that never materialized. Um, I still have I I think I used a little bit of that cash. I still have the rest of it in a in a drawer uh, and it's going to just stay there. You know, it's it's I think it's not a bad idea to have a a little bit of cash on hand as long as you can. uh, have the intestinal fortitude to not dip into that cash, uh, you know, and whittle it down a little bit at a time, as long as, you know, if that's your reserve and you put it there, I think it's fine. And if you don't have it, that's fine too. It's kind of like the hoarding food. It's hoarding money. You know, it's, if you want it there, great. If you, if you don't need it there, that, that's fine too. Yeah. What's great about money is uh, unlike food, it doesn't go bad. Right. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about the shelf life. Of Unless money. you've got a, a lira or a drachma or a... That's true. That's <laughs> true. Um, we keep, uh, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Uh, on my family, we have a petty cash envelope uh, for the, the little things in life that are just easier to use with cash. So we did bolster that a bit, but you know now it's back to normal levels at this point. Um, the next topic... You know, th- the one thing yeah. that's really hard, the one thing that's really hard to live without, just because, you know, I give my kids chore money... Um, you can't get ones anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, ATMs are only giving out 20s and 50s, and I'm not, I don't pay my kids in 20s. That's yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> not in this household either. You're 100% right. So um, for me, the other topic I wanted to touch upon was buying stuff you may not need, which also ties into the topic of, I call it eBay arbitrage, overpaying for stuff. I, I, I think the example I'll use is the hair clippers. So I was looking for a hair clipping set for the house because, you know, six weeks ago, there was no hope in sight of going to a barber or a beauty salon ever again. So I went on the hunt, and I'll call it the hunt, to find a set of clippers and a a barber set. Now, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, spin the wheel of big box, you know, uh, suppliers, web suppliers, nothing could be found. Right, no decent set of barber clippers, home family clippers could be found. And when you saw them on those sites, they were going for you know twenty five dollars, thirty dollars. Those same sets going on eBay for a hundred dollars plus and being bought up on eBay. Right, so people uh, were were going, and I call it eBay arbitrage. People, their whole job is to go out there, buy a bunch of stuff. They predict what's going to be needed. They hoard it and then they sell it. At double, triple, sometimes, you know, a thousand percent markup, right? Which we started to see and we talked about it earlier in the podcast. Toilet paper, pasta. At one point, a box of pasta, Ronzoni pasta, thin spaghetti on eBay was going for $12 a box. And being sold, I'm probably confident that people were buying it at that point because people were fearing the unknown. 
So for me, the long story short was I never bought those clippers through eBay. Something in my body said to myself, you know what? I'll let my hair grow down to my knees before I spend $80 on something that could cost me $29.95 in normal times, right? So the ending to that story was on one night on Amazon, it must have hit the, the, the jackpot just right. And they had a set of clippers. They weren't going to be shipped for another month. But I bought them, so at least I'm in queue. And if I and if you went back uh, 30 seconds later, that button disappeared. No more buy it button, right? That's how fast the stuff was selling. And I guess maybe two weeks later on Costco's site, I was looking for something else and happened to see Clippers there, and they had them in stock. I bought them, add them to my cart, and then a minute later, I went to go back to see if those Clippers are still available gone. The buttons disappeared. They were sold out. So it's an interesting thing. So the short story was, I or the recap is, I didn't overpay for the hair clippers, but I came close to really debating it, but I decided I was not going to do it. Jody, what's your take when it came to overbuying or overpaying for stuff or this whole concept of eBay arbitrage? I remember going online uh, a week or two into the coronavirus lockdown uh, where everybody was at home and starting to conduct Zoom meetings and teleconference meetings, uh, going online to find uh, a webcam. And the webcam that I had my eye on that I remember was something like $89, was going for $289. Mm. And, a, and a week later, those webcams were gone. And I haven't even checked back to see if they've even come back in stock. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think people were were gouging bad uh, on this stuff. Um, I think overpaying is relative. If you really need something, you're going to overpay for it. Uh, and if you can live without it, you're not going to. Uh, I, I, I see overpaying as, again, unless it's one of these things where like, oh, I need to have this thing two days from now because that gives me that gut check. I look at it and I go, oh, I, I, I'm not going to pay that. Having that reaction tells me I don't really need it that badly. Mm. Yeah, good point. Good call out. I mean, one last call out on that piece was the upgraded router. And once again, second shout out in this episode to Marco Chiapetta, hothardware.com. He hooked me up uh, with with my upgraded router simply because I, I couldn't find one at the time. They didn't. They weren't selling them. Everyone was sold out of the really nice high powered routers and. Uh, uh, so I have one, a beautiful router set up now, and I have uh, my, my, my office is wired with hard wires for the, for the physical machines that could use the hard wire input. And the rest of the house has not been complaining about Wi-Fi, and the coverage has been spectacular. So once again, thank you, Marco. Um, I think we'll jump into kind of half recap, half lessons learned. Maybe we kind of combine them this week, Jody. So the habits that I'll stick with, um, I think for me, it's really trying to not do the hoarding, although... Things happen, and you fear that unknown. So I can't say that that lesson is going to be – I won't repeat that mistake um, because you just don't know. Uh, but for me, I'm going to try to cut down on the stockpiling. And the other big thing for me was around enjoying the family time, right? I think that I still am struggling with what you talked about before, the daily habits. My work experience and my wife's work experience, we both work full-time. And we're both able to work full time at home. And when I say full time, you know, it's you know, nine to five, eight to six. For me, it could be 
seven to whenever, right? And nothing's changed other than, you know, you'd say, well, you're working from home. Um, hmm, it's been interesting. And, and I've had these discussions with people and I need to do a better job of, of carving in more family time, carving in lunchtime, carving in some of these more physical daily habits health-wise. But I think I'm going to try to continue to work on them, but I can't guarantee the result uh, because of the job situation. It's just very busy. But I think for me, um, I'm going to try to do more family time and, and cut down on the stockpiling. Any habits that you're going to stick with, Jody, or lessons learned, or you know, what's your summary when it comes to all the stuff we talked about today? Yeah, in addition to all the stuff that we've already talked about, I think the other thing that I want to make sure that I keep up is that sense of community that I think we've all probably experienced, uh, at least in the suburbs where you and I live, Paul. Um, you know, getting out and taking the daily walk was a big thing in the beginning of all this. I think it's probably dropped off a little bit, but I still see people out there taking walks. And walking by someone in your neighborhood that you might not regularly see uh, when things, you know, before three months ago, um, and waving at them and smiling at them and even stopping and having that conversation from, you know, opposite sides of the street, um, really, really important. And I think that's the thing that we want to make sure that we continue to do is to keep in touch with our neighbors, keep in touch with the people who we might not otherwise normally see, uh, and make sure that we're in touch with, with everyone around us because, um, that can be the silver lining here. And especially with, um, everything else that is going on in our country right now, um, a, a heightened sense of community and a heightened sense of, of fraternity. In other words, you know, being in touch with the people who are around you, uh, that's the friends and the neighbors and the people down the street and the people around the block. And, or even if you're living in a, in a city, you know, the people who are two floors below you and not just across the hall, um, Keeping that up and enhancing it and making it part of your life going forward, I think, is the thing that we really, the, all of us, all of us can take away from this and, and would make us a, a better, uh, put us in a better frame of mind. Very well put. Very well put, Jody. Thank you. Uh, well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. Thank you.